Hey, it's Barbara Phillips with NPBO, and I wanted to give you a heads up on a webinar that we have coming up Thursday, May 16th, and it will be with a certified healthcare privacy person who has been in charge of a very large healthcare organization and their privacy compliance, HIPAA, and all of that sort of thing. And I think it's very important that all clinicians attend this one because HIPAA affects all of us. And so you can get more information about that at npbusiness.org forward slash privacy matters. And just another quick heads up after that, in June, we'll be talking with someone who has been in charge of the IT compliance to protect the organization. And so this one will be geared toward how do you protect yourself as well as your practice. And I'll be sharing more information about that later. So let's move on with the podcast. This is the NP Business Matters podcast, episode number 31, Obstacles to Starting a Nurse Practitioner Practice with Carl Smith and Quentin Caswell. Hello and welcome to the NP Business Matters podcast. I'm your host, Barbara C. Phillips, founder of Nurse Practitioner Business Owner and the Clinician Business Institute, where we've been providing education, resources, and support on the business of being a nurse practitioner since 2007. You can learn more at npbusiness.com and cliniciansinessinstitute.com. I often hear from nurse practitioners who face all kinds of obstacles in starting their practice, but it's rare that I hear what seems to me to be blatant harassment. Today, I'm interviewing Carl Smith and Quentin Caswell. They're nurse practitioners in Joplin, Missouri, and they own Advanced Practice Clinic. Several years ago, when they started their practice, it was a new concept in their area. And while they followed all the rules and regulations, and they did indeed know the rules and regulations that they needed to follow, they were essentially harassed by the Board of Healing Arts, not once, not twice, but multiple times. Now, the Board of Healing Arts in Missouri is the equivalent to the Board of Medicine in most other states. Their story has a lot of lessons for nurse practitioners who want to open their own practices, particularly in states that are not as friendly to nurse practitioner practices as we would like. Many other providers, nurse practitioners, PAs, anybody would have given up and thrown in the towel. So Carl and Quentin are inspirations to just keep moving forward. So let's take a listen to what they have to say. Carl, Quentin, I'm so glad that you're joining us today. And I want to talk about your practice that is in Joplin, Missouri. And for for people listening, Joplin is, or Missouri as a whole, is one of the more difficult states or more restrictive states for nurse practitioners. So you guys have been in practice for a number of years. Can you talk about what that journey was like for you and maybe some of the hoops you had to jump through? Well, uh, just like in any other state, you have to go through your basics of what you need to do in your community to open a business. And uh, so we went through all of that, studied the state statutes forwards and backwards looking to see how we could fit into that uh, and be in compliance. Uh, The biggest thing, of course, is finding a collaborating physician, as it is for anyone who's in a state like this. And we were fortunate at the time because we knew personally of a physician uh, and he'd already agreed. He knew what we were planning to do. And so he became our first collaborator. And so we were up and running and everything was going great. So we thought. And uh, was it a year or two in? Probably two. About probably in our second year, uh, just out of the blue, we had two gentlemen and our collaborative physician just show up in the middle of our clinic, 
they were flashing badges and things of that nature. And apparently he was under investigation because he was collaborating with another clinic. And from what we understood, the person there was not a nurse practitioner. She was an RN and was going around picking up prescriptions for patients that were controlled uh, scripts, which you're not supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So she put him on the radar. And because we were collaborating with him, they had to come over and check us out. And it was a very uh, difficult time because we didn't know what was going to happen. It was the Board of Healing Arts and an official from the BNDD. And they demanded a list of charts from here, which we produced. And uh, they were very curt in their dealings with us. Uh, immediately started spotting off that we didn't have the required sign in the clinic that says, if you want to be seen by a physician, you have the right to be seen by a physician. And I told him, I said, we don't have to do that because we don't have a physician here. And we don't advertise ourselves as a physician clinic. So if they wanted to see a physician, they should go to a physician clinic. And then they demanded to see our uh, collaborating practice agreement. So I produced that. And then they started uh, saying it was an illegal document. And I said, how is it illegal? Because it just is. And it doesn't have, he had a list of stuff, which he wouldn't give me a copy of. And I said, well, I don't know how you can come in and just arbitrarily say this is an illegal document because your Board of Healing Arts, I'm under the Board of Nursing, so I will confer with them because that's actually who I am responsible to. And I, I think they thought they could intimidate us. They're making a lot of noise in front of a busy uh, waiting area, which was not pleasant. And... Uh, so that, that automatically put us under a BNDD audit, <clears throat> which we had no issues with because we, we did everything we're supposed to do. And then they pop in like a week later and said, where's the doctor? And I said, well, I imagine he's at his practice. <laughs> and uh, I said, he doesn't have to be here all the time. He only has to review our charts. And so in the meantime, I had contacted the Board of Nursing and asked them about the requirements for the collaborative agreement. And they said, there are not. That is an agreement between you and the physician on how things are going to be done under the statutes for collaboration. And I said, well, the Board of Healing Arts thinks it's ours is illegal. They've said it several times. And she said, well, you don't report to the Board of Healing Arts. And I said, well, may I send a copy of our agreement? She said, yes. They found nothing wrong with it. And so... This went back and forth. And of course, by this time, our physician had to stop working with us because of the issues he had going on. And we had to find another collaborator. But during that time, we had to close for three months. So we were fairly new business. And we had regular patients that we saw on a regular basis who needed to see us, who needed to have their medications renewed. We couldn't do any of that for three months. So it was very financially devastating to go through that and uh, trying to keep everything going. Fortunately, we had the lab, so we still was able to do some things. But um, after that, we got our second collaborator and lo and behold, he was uh, out of the state of Kansas, had a practice there, but he also had a practice here in Joplin. So we thought we were okay. And I had, obtained a copy of his license and his DEA and everything looked checked out. And how many months was it before the same two investigators showed up one day and said that uh, what we were doing was illegal because he didn't have a license to. He didn't have a BNDD license. Well, they didn't say that at first, but that's what they're, I said, he does have a DEA because I have a copy of it, but it was the BNDD. And I said, well, that's, interesting because he prescribes controlled substances out of his practice right here in Joplin. So I don't know how he's been doing that without one. And so I I got the feeling they just wanted to really harass us. Uh, They were very derisive in their comments to us. And at that time we were doing, we weren't doing a ton of controlled substances, but we were doing a fair number. And so we had 
uh, started to get to know some of the pharmacists in the area. And one of our uh, main pharmacies, the pharmacist called us that afternoon and said that there was a guy out there from the BNDD and he was harassing the patients we sent out there. And he said, I can tell you that they are not allowed to talk to your patients. They can only talk to you. They can talk to me, the pharmacist, but they cannot talk to your patients. So I thanked him for letting us know. And a couple of patients did come back and said a man just jumped out at them and wanted to know if they were seen by a physician. And you know, I explained to them they didn't have to be seen by a physician for this. Um, but they were trying to intimidate people so that they, I guess, would stop coming here. And so periodically they pop in here. Where's the doctor? When was he here last? I said, you know, I don't have to answer any of your questions. And once they realized we knew, uh, you know, what the rules were, and we weren't just going to be roll over just because they came in the front door. Uh, I said, unless you're here to request information, request, request documents, you have no business being here. I said, we're trying to run a business. I can't have you just stopping in here, blurting out questions in front of the patients. I can't have you going to the pharmacies because I know that you've been doing that and we've been keeping a record of everything. And so they harassed this physician until he was no longer able to work with us. And so then we approached our third collaborator who uh, I went to high school with his kids. So I've known him for a long time and he was retired. He agreed to do it. And so I carefully went over all his uh, credentials. And I noticed when I was looking up his uh, BNDD license, because he's worked here in Joplin and in Kansas City and different places. I noticed he had a Joplin house number, which I knew where he lived, because, but the zip code was a Kansas City zip code. And I thought, well, this is interesting, but he's been in practice. I worked with him at the hospital before I became a practitioner. So I've known him forever. And I thought, okay, he'd be a good one. And it wasn't three days. And here they come, said what we're doing was illegal. I said, how, how is that? Because I verified everything we're on your website. He said, well, he doesn't have a BNDD license. I said, yes, sir, he does. I pulled it up. He goes, he doesn't need any more because our director revoked it this morning. I said, well, how am I supposed to know that? I said, unless you notify us, I don't go in and check his registration every day. And I said, why was he revoked? Well, he had an, an illegal address. I said, no, it's not illegal. I said, someone at your uh, agency had to enter that address to issue him the BNDD license. So we did nothing wrong. And now all of a sudden, I said, you don't realize I've known this physician for years. All of a sudden he gets revoked because he's working with us. And he starts saying, we're writing illegal scripts all over town. And I said, actually, no, we hadn't written any controlled substances in the past two weeks. So I don't know what you're talking about here. And um, he said, well, you guys sure know how to pick them. I said, that's interesting because he was legal until he started working with us. I said, I find it very interesting that you decided to revoke his license on an address. So I went over to the physician's home that afternoon. We refiled the paperwork with the correct address and got it submitted. And then they came back. He said, well, that's going to take several days to process. I said, well, I don't, there's nothing else we can do. It's not actually our responsibility. It's actually yours and the physician's to make sure that his address is correct. And they harassed that physician so much, he, he resigned from us. So we had to close again. And I thought, this is getting to be a recurring pattern here. They don't want us here. Mm -hmm. And so we found another physician and we knew right off the bat when we met his wife that she wasn't, they weren't going to be pushed around by the BNDD or the Board of Healing Arts because his wife just has the personality that she's not going to stand for anything. And sure enough, they called, they tried to call the physician, our new one, and she answered the phone and she pretty much tore into them because there was nothing out of order with his paperwork or anything. They were just trying to harass and they were trying to malign us uh, because they didn't really understand. I don't know how many independent MP practices there were in Missouri at the time, but they were determined to keep us shut down. And uh, that's when I learned at one of our uh, state MP association meetings that the BNDD has a history. If they find 
out and nurse practitioners operating independently that they will try and harass the physician. And so, but it didn't work with this physician because his wife was like, I'm not having this. And then our, I spoke to the physician and he said, I actually know the boss of that investigator and I called him. So I doubt you'll be hearing from him anymore. And so that ended that harassment. <laughs> and we had him for a number of years and then uh, he was retiring. So we found another, unfortunately. We haven't had that issue, knock on wood, for a while. But they used to pop in here periodically and just say, where's the doctor? And I said, why are you here? And they didn't really know how to respond to that. So they stopped coming here. But you have to know your rights and you have to stand up to them no matter what kind of badge they're flashing because they do try to scare you. And then they looped back around on the second collaborator. He was under further investigation and they told us we were going to get subpoenas to testify and that we would be testifying on behalf of the state, which I didn't understand how that worked since he was our collaborator. And I learned, we both learned a big lesson from that, that we will never go through, um, that was a deposition, mm. that we will never do that again without our own attorney. Absolutely. Because we got in there thinking, okay, there goes, the state wants us to be there and it's going to ask us questions. We just have to answer them. Questions we'd already answered before. And I think Quentin went in there first. And then he texted me before I could get there and said that they raked him over the coals. And then when I got in there, it was almost like we were on trial or something. And that physician was there with his attorney. But the state uh, investigator was very... Um, harsh towards us. And we're actually the customer here. We did not, you know, we were relying on the physician. He was in trouble for other things that had nothing to do with us. And he had been practicing in Joplin for years before we ever came along. So I don't know how all of a sudden there's all these issues. Uh, I did learn later that he was in trouble in Kansas for some personal things he had done, but they were trying to target us in that. And so I was prepared to get an attorney after that, but then we never heard any more out of it. So I'm very leery of the state of Missouri uh, officials. I know that they, they do not like nurse practitioners, but you do have to know what your rights are. And the board of nursing has been very helpful to us in reminding us that we report to them, not to the board of healing arts. We don't even have to talk to them. They have no jurisdiction over us. So they finally realized that we weren't going to be rattled very easily. But I will tell you, this collaboration issue is a huge issue because they don't realize that we have patients just like any physician has patients. And we have patients with, with very serious chronic issues that need to be managed. So what do you tell that patient when the state comes in with some bogus issue that we have to stop practicing because of the collaborator, then that patient's sitting out here wondering where they're supposed to go, how they're going to get their medication refilled. They're, they're left in a quandary, and the state does not take that into consideration at all. And to me, they'd actually be liable in some cases if something happened with that patient because they took us out of the equation. Right. And that's the part that the politicians do not get is there are real people out there relying on nurse practitioners and you cannot just suddenly say halt because of this statue over here and then the patient is left wondering but th that's how they try and shut us down but we've been very fortunate we've had tremendously loyal patients that have been patient and came back to us after we were able to legally reopen but at the same time we have staff that has to be paid we have rent that has to be paid there's so many things we have to pay, and yet we were able to do that all the time we were closed, thank goodness, but they don't care about that. They don't care that you're a business that's providing employment, that's providing a, a huge service to the community. They just don't care. Right. And so, uh, you know, there's definitely a need for nurse practitioners in business because we started out from zero and we have a very thriving practice. Uh so those patients all were going somewhere and then they decided to come to us for many reasons. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, we've had so many issues with other physicians in the community that would make you think they need to have 
supervision because we've had so many issues with one particular physician in particular who would send patients here all the time. I said, well, I guess he's not working today because there'd be like 10 patients in a row come with our little, he took a photocopy of our business card and because he had given all the ones out that he had and he would send them over here for all kinds of reasons. But we've had to call 911, I think at least twice, patients collapsing in the parking lot that should have been at the ER or an ambulance should have been dispatched to that physician's clinic. And he just sent them over here just to get rid of them. And so we deal with stuff like that all the time. Right. Yet they say we are the ones that need supervision. Right. So I'm going to back us up just a little bit here. For people listening, they may not understand BDD and they may not understand healing arts. Can you just put that in English for people not in Missouri? Sure. The The Board of Healing Arts... Uh, is over all the physicians and physician assistants in Missouri. Yeah. Just so like the, the board. Of, just like the medical. Right. No. Just like the board of nursing is over nurses and nurse practitioners. And so sometimes they forget where their uh, reach begins and ends. And they try to intimidate nurse practitioners. And, uh, and in fact, the investigator for this area, I used to work with his wife. So, I sort of knew him, but here he was in here trying to intimidate us. And then the BNDD is the Bureau of Narcotics and Dangerous Drugs. Mm -hmm. Not every state has that organization. It's basically uh, another DEA mm -hmm. because we have to pay for our DEA license. But before you can get that, you have to have a BNDD license in Missouri. You pay for that, then that allows you to get the DEA. So there's a lot of overlap in there, but like uh, Kansas right next door, they don't have BNDD. Right. And that's how we got tripped up with that physician because he was out of Kansas. And apparently, I don't know if he just didn't know about the BNDD in Missouri. I don't know how he was able to do that because the pharmacy would have certainly uh, flagged anything he sent through, I, you would think, because they looked that up. They verify that information because they don't want to be liable for a, a line of script to go out that shouldn't go out. So we, we we may never know how that physician was able to manage that for years until he started working with us. And all he did was just close his practice in Joplin and move right across the state line, literally right on the Missouri-Kansas line and reopened his practice. You guys have been through more, I think, than I've heard from other nurse practitioners. I mean, certainly you're not the first and you won't be the last that gets harassed. Um, but th that's a lot <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. And it's amazing that you guys stuck it out. It, it has been a lot. And... Um... I'm very proud that we're still standing, that we're still here, and but we don't scare easily. So, well, you've had a lot of good training there. <laughs> yes, a lot of good combat training, and I agree with you. Anytime that you, um, and I think it's a good lesson and something that anybody should listen to. If you're called before anybody, you need to have your own attorney. Right. Um, I also lucked out, but didn't, I got called to testify. I got subpoenaed to testify against a physician and also had the guys with the shiny badges show up at my office right after I opened. Um, but I was so sure of my innocence and the whole thing. It never occurred to me to do anything. I mean, once I figured out what this guy was doing, I left, but yeah. Um, so when they showed up, I mean, they didn't harass, I was never harassed. I, I want to be really clear about that. I was never harassed, but it never occurred to me that I still might need my own legal representation. Right. And I would not make that mistake again. So. And, and now we have several attorneys that come here as patients. So we've been able to build some relationships there and do some consulting about some of these things. Yeah. And so. Hopefully it won't ever happen again. 
and it was never our intent. We were never, they never had anything against us, but it was like, because we were nurse practitioners, they thought they could rattle us and they knew we'd have to shut down. And I think that's what they wanted. They would just come in and say, uh, oh, you're, you're just a weight loss clinic. I said, no, we're not. We're primary care. Well, you're a sore throat clinic. I said, you can call it whatever you want, but it's primary care. And that's who we are. And so they just wanted to do anything they could to be demeaning. And that I just don't appreciate at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're supposed to be state officials and should be taking an unbiased approach in their duties. But you could tell clearly that they do not like nurse practitioners. Right. Yeah, it's it. Missouri has a reputation of not being very NP friendly. Right. Um, and and that is true in pockets of different states as well. I know that there's an NP up in Columbia who has an allergy clinic and has had so for many years. And when I spoke with her, she didn't have any problems um, in her practice. But um, I think you guys have had enough for several NPs, <laughs> all these collaborators. How many years did all of this harassment go on? Because you've been in practice, I think you said nine years? Yes. Yeah, only a couple. Well, it was more than a couple. Mm-hmm. Uh, because once we've got uh, the one before we have now, he was here for like four years. So maybe it was about the first four years that we were in business. Uh, we had to deal with that. And I could tell right off the bat that they were biased and they were against us, even though we hadn't done anything wrong. And we we cannot account for what a physician is doing. That's our collaborator. We have no way of knowing that. And didn't even know that the first one was working with any other clinics. We had no idea. Right. And, and when they asked for records, they even asked for my chart and for Quentin's. And we hadn't had any controlled substances. <laughs> so I knew it was a witch hunt <laughs> yeah. because, because I know from the BND D investigator, he sees every uh, controlled script that is written because he would talk about scripts that we wrote on the day we wrote them when he come in here. Whoa. And I thought he's really targeting us because yeah. Uh, we don't do a great number of control substances, but in the course of business, you're going to have to do that at certain points. Some patients require that, and you can't just not prescribe the medication just because it's controlled. Right. And so that's the thing where anyone going into this, especially in Missouri, they need to really understand what the state statutes are and not be afraid to stand up for yourself. Well, I think in all states, People need to understand what their scope of practice is, what the rules and regulations are. Right. It's it's amazing sometimes how I will hear from somebody who doesn't understand what their limitations are. Right. Um, and I mean, it could be as simple as, well, they're a certified adult nurse practitioner and now their employer wants them to see children or they want to open up a family practice clinic. It's like, stop. Right, You right. can't do that. You cannot do that. Or just, you know, um, while Missouri is, is unfriendly, Michigan doesn't even allow a nurse practitioner to own a practice. I've Patient heard of that. care-related practice. Uh, nurse practitioners are not considered learned uh, professionals. Um, and therefore, you can't do that. And um, but still, people try to find a way around that law, and there is no way around it. You just have to get with your state organization and and do what you can to get that reversed. You ha- you guys had mentioned early on you had the lab. Talk about that because that was really the beginnings of going into business is that correct you know our intentions of becoming nurse practitioners after 20 to uh, plus years of working in healthcare, um 
was was fully uh, with the intention of being, um, you know, the masters of our own domain and 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 leading our own ship and and um, having our own practice, uh, but um, wasn't really sure exactly how we needed to go about doing that. Um, so initially, we um, uh, we became familiar with a a lab franchise uh, that was very attractive to us. It was um, um, gave very um, affordable lab pricing, and we were able to uh, open initially uh, this franchise uh, in the Joplin area and provide retail, um, direct-to-consumer retail lab testing options. And um, that fared well with, uh, or paired well with the concept, the business concept that we came up with for our for our medical clinic, um, just as a nice um, cohesive business structure. And um, so that's what we ended up doing initially. Um, and then um, we 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 purchased a, another uh, a franchise service uh, that um, specialized in uh, medical weight loss and hormone replacement. Um, and, um, and very soon we realized we really didn't even need these franchises. Um, so, uh, we were able to, uh, get out of those and, and, um, but provide very affordable, um, um, cash-based pricing, uh, options for our patients. We, we, for a couple of years had tried, um, uh, we got credentialed with the different insurance companies, and uh, one of our uh, collaborators uh, that we had for several years, his wife was thinking that we were leaving some options on the table by not taking insurance uh, when we first opened. And so we decided we were going to go ahead and get credentialed with uh, all of the different insurance companies, and um, but realized right away that there were a lot of services that we were providing we weren't getting paid for at all. Um, or if it was actually, or uh, and we actually have a somewhere around here we have a, a check that we received from an insu- from uh, seeing for seeing a patient for seven cents, six uh, cents, six cents, um, and that's all we got paid for uh, for that. And you know, and we had hired a um, a billing company to do our billing for us, and um, but you know the reimbursement we just couldn't see going from. Um, our income went down tremendously by just simply taking insurance. And so we, we, we did that for a couple of years and we, we said, this is enough. We can't do this anymore. And so we no longer take insurance. Uh, we still provide direct-to-consumer retail lab services and very affordable um, primary care services to our clients. Um, and so... Um, I think we became a valuable resource for our community and um, and reaching the un- uninsured and underinsured in our area. Um, and also patients who have HSA accounts and uh, um, high deductible uh, insurance plans. Um, so many of them utilize our services um, quite a bit. And um, so it's it's been very beneficial for the community and for us. Yeah. So enjoying enjoyed it yeah and you're still providing a lot of services and carl you also went back recently and became a psychiatric nurse practitioner in addition so you guys are really kind of full service there aren't you yes yeah that was always my plan when i first started out because i'd I'd done a number of years in uh, psych nursing but when i went to apply for the program i quickly realized I could easily get into the psych program at Mizzou, but I really wanted the family certification. So I thought I better do that first and I had no idea at the time they were only taking 22 students per year. And uh, so I thought I, I, I was initially going to apply for a dual program. And I thought if I put psych on there, they'll X me out in family and just give me psych. So I wanted the family first and we were very fortunate. We both got, selected in the same cohort uh, out of our BSN class. So we were very fortunate that that happened at the same time, which allowed us to open our business a lot faster. But I did go back and get the psych certification. Uh, I felt like uh, 
it was important to have that because there's so many more things that I learned in that program that beyond the basics of what we learned in the family for psych. And we had a fair number of people that were coming here for uh, psychiatric related issues. And I wanted to make sure that I was fully qualified to take care of those patients. And so that's what I did. We're constantly looking for ways to make, to see that we can uh, make our services overlap and become much more versatile. So we're not looking at just one source of revenue. We have many different sources and we learned a very valuable lesson like he spoke about with the insurance. Uh, it's not for everyone and certainly wasn't for us. And the day we got that check for six cents, I, I said, this will cost me more to get it to the bank to deposit. So I just had it framed because I want to remember that moment that that's what our services were worth to that insurance company. And many of those companies didn't pay us at all and they didn't care and they would zero out the bill, which did not allow us to go back to the patient for anything. Right. And I said, you know, we can't continue to operate this way. We have too many, too much overhead and we're not a free clinic. We don't get any government funding. So, you know, we do have options like that in this community, fortunately, for people that can't afford to pay for it. But I, it, it was one of the best decisions we ever made was to discontinue taking insurance. And many of our patients who have insurance stayed with us because as they found it's cheaper to come to us and pay cash than to go to a place that takes their insurance and then they get saddled with uh, this isn't covered or um, they haven't met their deductible in many cases. Mm -hmm. And so they're paying a higher price than what they pay here. And they quickly realize that. And a number of patients who did leave have since come back once they realize that insurance card is not a get out of jail free. As many of them think, I've got this card, I can go anywhere, do anything. And it doesn't work that way. It doesn't. It doesn't work that way. And, you know, sometimes even the co-insurance is going to be higher. Uh, right. Depending. I had one patient who used to see me because we were a specialty. She had to pay 50% every time oh, she yes. came in. And she just couldn't couldn't afford that. Mm -hmm. And see here, Blue Cross is a big uh, insurer in this area. And one hospital here, we have two hospitals here. One has always had the lock on that Blue Cross contract. And so we were accepted into the Blue Cross network, but not into the local Blue Cross. And so even with our collaborator who was part of that, he couldn't even get us in there. They just saw us as a co competition for some reason and refused to allow us to join in. So many patients who were coming here at Blue Cross were mortified when they get this out of network. And they said, I thought you took Blue Cross. Well, they had us, was it called national or universal? Or no, like no it, was, it was, it was international. Or something? No, it was national. Yes. Yeah, something national tier. There's so many different tiers. It's very confusing. Mm-hmm. And so we were getting a lot of patients who were unhappy when they get a bill uh, because something wasn't covered. And then, of course, the billing company we had was not very good. <laughs> uh, I just started noticing, I said, we're just not getting anything out of, out of insurance. And, you know, it really wasn't fair to the cash pay patients. So they had to pay for their visits. And yet these insured patients, most of the time, didn't have to pay anything. And so I said, that's not, <clears throat> that's not fair. And it's not fair to us because we're not getting paid for a lot of these patients and people who are traveling across the country who come in here for an urgent visit. Most of the time we got zero, nothing out of those patients. And it became too much of a headache for us to go in and verify their insurance uh, because we get a lot of denials saying, oh, their insurance wasn't enforced then. So we had to go in and verify it and create a PDF of all of these so I could come back and say, yes, it was. we verified it on that day of service and it was there. I was spending entirely too much time dealing with the billing part of it, which is not my area of expertise. And one day I sit down and went through 77 pages of claims, line by line. I was practically blind at the time I got out of here. <laughs> And calling the, the billing company, there was so many cases where they didn't even uh, do the bill. 
and they they couldn't explain it to me why nothing had been done or if they got a denial they never worked those denials and i just said no nah, i this is too much we were thriving at self-pay we're going to go back to self-pay we've been back there for many years and so it just works and, and a number of physician offices around here have also since stopped taking insurance I, I, yeah we're seeing a lot of people do that i mean insurance can work but it is intensive it, it is, is intensive and you have to have someone who's going to stay on it and be on it and go to bat for you because as the provider you can't do that you have patients to see that's and as you said that's not your area of expertise but um yeah it's it's a a pain there's there's no denying it there right. is no denying that it's it's a difficult road and cash pay is not always appropriate for what some people want to do either so and i think it's nice that we have a balance of who can can do what so you guys have been through, excuse me, hell, <laughs> and has come out, have come out the other side. And is it now? Um, and your practice is thriving. And it seems to be, you know, in one of our conversations over the years, usually at AANP or something, um, you were trying to bring other people in. Is it? Do you have other uh, practitioners with you now, or is it just? It's just the two of us right now. We did bring one in. Uh, that had been a, we had precepted her. And um, at the time, you know, she had a family, had a lot of things going on. That, and at the time, we did not have benefits to offer to people who worked here. And so she had to move on. But since that time, we found a way to offer benefits. And it, it works out so much better that way. So let me ask you this. What words of advice would you give that nurse practitioner, that PA, who's just biting at the bit to start their own practice? Diversify. Yeah, <laughs> you have to diversify. Uh, I think so many people that are looking to get out there oftentimes have worked in clinics uh, for physicians or have worked at the hospital, and they only see a portion of what's going on. And there's so much more to having a business that you have to contend with. And I see online, there's a lot of um, nurse practitioner discussion groups on Facebook and things like that. It's very interesting because there's a lot of people on there every day wanting to go into business. And they, some of the questions that they ask, I'm like, they are so far off the mark. They need to do much more research. And I, I get it. It's it's great to be independent. I love it. I I couldn't imagine going back and working at the health system. I wouldn't want to. I love being independent, controlling my own destiny. But there's just so many things, and it's a learning curve. And uh, when we first started out, we both were still working at the health system and working here. So we're both we we're practically working seven days a week, and just to get it up and going. And we used to be open on Saturdays, and we finally got to the point where we don't have to do that anymore. And so you have to look at creating a balance in your life. You can't let the business just completely consume every moment of your life. So for someone just starting out, I'd say get online and read as much as you can. Talk to people when you go to conferences and your local associations who are doing it. And just find out everything you can find out before you pull that trigger. And brace yourself because who knows what could happen. And you just have to be resilient and keep pushing forward, knowing that this is your goal. This is what you want to do. You make your own destiny. So it is important that there will be ups and downs and you just have to go with the flow and just keep going. Mm -hmm. And the patients will find you. I, I get asked that a lot of times. How do you get your patients? How did you get to where you are? Well, it takes time. But I've always believed that if you provide the best possible service tailored to each patient. They are your biggest advertisers and they will have their family members to come. They will have their friends to come, their neighbors to come. We get patients referring patients to us all the time. 
And it's, it's uh, the biggest compliment that you could ever get is when you have a patient who refers someone to you. And so we've had a lot of really good uh, relationships that we've made with some of the patients that have become actually friends because they've been coming here for so long. We know so much about them. And that's, that's the best part of it is all the people we have come to know and with other businesses around town that we've come to know and with pharmacists that we've come to know, uh, they look out for you. Once they know who you are and what you're trying to do, they will watch out for you. Mm-hmm. And so that's been a big help. But when we very first started, the pharmacists weren't so friendly to us because they wouldn't fill prescriptions because they simply didn't know who we were. And so you have to be proactive. You have to call that pharmacist every time something happens and say, um, I don't know you either, but I sent my patient there. So you can verify my credentials, which I'm sure you have. So what other reason do you have for not doing this prescription? And usually they will go ahead and do it. But I, I had one pharmacist who said, well, you can't do that as a nurse practitioner. And I said, well, where are you getting your information? And um, well, first he told the patient that and the patient came back and told me. So I called out there and he was just very abrupt and got off the phone. Wouldn't give me his name or anything. So I called back uh, to the store and I said, I need to know who the pharmacist is there today. So they gave me his name. So I called him. I said, well, I already have your name and I don't know where you're getting your information, but you've now held my patient up for several hours and she actually needs this medication. And my next step is I'm calling the Board of Pharmacy to report you because what you told me is not accurate and you are denying this medication for no reason. As soon as I said Board of Pharmacy, he completely backed off, admitted that he works in several states. And I said, well, if you're going to work in Missouri, you really need to know what you're talking about because you're impacting patients. We don't send people out to get medication just so they can get it. They actually need this. And I don't have time to be on the phone with you all day long trying to get this patient their medication. So I'd appreciate it if you go ahead and fill it because nurse practitioners can and do this every day in Missouri. And so I just learned early on, you have to, uh, I think Quentin had a patient that was lived about an hour away from here and she needed an antibiotic. He sent the script in, she waited till Saturday to go and get it, the pharmacist wouldn't release it because she didn't know Quentin. And so we had to call and say, look, you've now held this patient up from their their therapy that they really need to be on. And now you have some responsibility on that because there is no statute that says you have to know me to fill the prescription. All you have to do is verify my license and my collaborator's information, and that's all you need. And so once you stand up for yourself a few times, then they start to do what they're supposed to do. But for anyone just starting out, especially in a state like Missouri, those are the, some of the things you have to deal with. Yeah. And uh, it is interesting, but you do have to stand up for yourself. You can't just roll over. No, I think as a business owner, you, regardless of what you're doing, you have to stand up for yourself yes. and providing a service. You're not only standing up for yourself, but for your patients and your clients as well. Right. You know, you guys obviously have, have done that. Have done yes. That. We've really, tried very hard. Yeah. It sounds like <laughs> it. And I mean, we've talked over the years and I didn't know this whole complete story. So I'm just sitting here with my mouth open on a lot of it, but uh, I really appreciate you both being here today. And if um, someone wanted to get a hold of you, how would you want them to do that? Just visit well, your website or? They can visit the website. There's uh, ways to contact us on the website, but our our open contact information is info, I-N-F-O, at apclinic.net. Anyone can uh, email us through that address. Okay, great. I will have all of that information in the show notes so that people can can find you. I really good. appreciate you being here today. Is there is there any last minute thing that I didn't ask you that you might want to share or have we pretty much covered it? Um, well, there was one other thing that, that happened and this has to do with uh, 
you know, who you select as your credit card transaction processor. Uh, we've had the same one the entire time we've been in business, but occasionally they hiccup. And I just happened to see an email come in one day that they were uh, going to be closing our uh, account. And I'm like, what is this about? Because uh, we run a ton of transactions through there and never had any issues. And she said, well, we per periodically go through and audit uh, the websites of the businesses that we serve. And uh, they didn't like a couple of things on our website. So they decided they're just going to cancel us out. And which left us scrambling to find another vendor. And because you can't just not take credit cards because everyone's paying with a credit or debit card these days. And then suddenly they changed their mind and kept us. But I had spent like two weeks going through all these different credit card processing companies and looking to see what we needed to do so we could keep this seamless. And unfortunately, they they kept us. But you occasionally you do get things that pop up like that, and you have to be very persistent uh, in trying to advocate for yourself because it can have a big detriment to your business if you don't. And so you have to always be vigilant. You can't let your emails just uh, go unread because you never know what's in there. Right. And you got to look in that spam folder, too. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so it's just uh, being in independent practice. Like I said, I wouldn't have it any other way. I love doing it. Quentin loves doing it. Uh, we have great staff here that love being here. And it's just fun to come to work because of that. Excellent. Thank you so much. I want to thank Quentin and Carl for spending time with me today. And you know, I've known them for a few years, but I did not know the entire story of their rocky start to their clinic. So I was pretty surprised in hearing all of this as well. Obviously, both of these men are dedicated and determined to have their practices provide excellent, full-service care in their communities. And I want to thank you so much for taking time out to listen to the podcast, to leave us feedback, and to share this with your colleagues. Information and stories like the ones that Carl and Quentin shared with us is information that we all need to hear. And actually, I'd like to know if you have a story where you have overcome obstacles to getting your own practice off the ground. I'd like to hear about it. Feel free to leave a comment on the blog or to send me an, a message through our blog at npbusiness.com. This is Barbara C. Phillips, nurse practitioner and founder of Nurse Practitioner Business Owner, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode of the NP Business Matters podcast. Bye-bye now.